Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rick, how many days? Ten days. We are ten days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 38. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick. Uh, I almost called you Rick Wilson. <laughs> well, as much as I've been trying to correct your clusters and your big board and your rankings, you can call me Wilson. <laughs> You're like Wilson from a home home improvement. You're on the other side of the fence there, yelling and screaming at me as I try to get get my day going. All right, Rick Spielman. Oh, 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 oh. oh geez, look what you've done, Devo. <laughs> Our general manager, more than 30 years of NFL experience, more than a decade as the Vikings general manager. Wearing his Gaia Barra shirt, if you're watching on YouTube, it looks like he's wearing suspenders, which makes it, e- oh my God, look at this guy. <laughs> his wife said he could not leave the house in that shirt. And uh, if you watch on YouTube, you'll understand why. Our guy, Ruben Palacios, Cuban born and bred, loves the shirt. So Rick, you have one fan on planet Earth with those shirts, but check those out on the old YouTubes if you are if you have that opportunity. Uh, anyway, more importantly, we're talking big boards today. We're going to talk about my big board. And then Rick's going to give us some insights into what it means to cluster these players within a big board into groups as you get close to draft day. And uh, as Rick explained to me yesterday, Debo, Debo's producing, once the clusters are done, they're locked. You can't touch them. Nothing changes no matter what on draft day. Even if the owner comes in and bangs the table, the owner understands this is how you're moving forward. And uh, Rick, I'll just ask you quickly, and that's just prevent any last minute sort of wrenches in the in the machinery, right? Yeah, no, and the ownership's going to be involved uh, day before uh, or two days before or when they, you know, our owners lived out of town. So when the Wilfs came in, I went through the whole board. I went through the clusters with them. I asked them if they had any questions uh, and the reason why we had them stacked like that. But for the ownership group that came in, they were we just spent months and months <laughs> getting that board together and sat through all, all the medicals. In fact, right now, this week and probably early next week, uh, teams are going to put their medical grades on these guys. So there may be some guys on that board, but they may go into a category where there are no touch or they come off the board 
because of all the medical information coming in right now from the combine and from the top 30 visits and other places. So this over the next 10 days, I would say is refining the board. Some teams may be finalizing uh, their initial meetings, but then you're going to circle back uh, for a week and do these clusters like we're going to show today a little bit uh, and then finalize everything, make sure the ownership has their uh, signed off on their approval as well. Uh, especially on character guys, if they're still alive on your board, um, or if they're not, then they're going to come off the board. But now it's it's getting down to that period where you're uh, going to do a lot of group studies to work within these clusters on how you would take them. And one thing that I think is important, and maybe we can get into it when we get into the cluster area, everybody's cluster is going to be different. So when you see my cluster and Ryan's cluster, we're just going based off of the tape. We don't know all the medical and character stuff as well as the teams do. And for example, we may have CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in that first cluster, but if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not going to take one of those guys. Right. So their cluster may be looking different than Carolina Panthers cluster. And all the cluster is is just a group of players that you're putting together, five or six or however many per group, and that will determine the draft order once draft day gets there. So you're not shuffling papers around. You're not talking to 15 different people. You know what the plan is, and you just roll forward with the plan. And you're more concerned, I would imagine, about taking phone calls on trades or things like that. Yeah, that everything is done. And the cluster is why you're doing it in a cluster is because you're saying these players are all equal in ability at their position. So then what that allows you to do is how do we fill a need within this cluster? Right. So that's why if we need a defensive end or a defensive tackle, maybe they're number one in the cluster. Uh, if you need a quarterback, the quarterback may be number one in the cluster. So, But what we're saying is when you see the clusters, that all these guys, in our opinion, are equal in ability, and our clusters are a little different. Um, one's good and one's bad. So, and we'll get to that as we go along in the show here, but it is, it's, that's where we see him as of today and things will, you know, define itself here over the next 10 days for teams. Yeah. We'll talk about that in just one second, but in case you missed it, Rick, last episode, we did a mock draft Thursday. Should teams trade up, trade down or stay put? You can check that out in the feed and on Wednesday. We'll be joined by two-time Super Bowl champ, former Steelers cornerback and our colleague, Brian McFadden to talk about this defensive backs class so that'll be fun that's on wednesday and remember you can always watch us live on youtube at nfl on cbs be sure to subscribe leave us a comment give us a thumbs up and hey drop us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you like the show tell a friend mac attack in the comments says rick doing the pod bare chest might be less offensive than that shirt get it off <laughs> no style <laughs> i love i love the shirt because it looks like you're wearing suspenders so i think that that's that's what get what does it for me all right so let's get into these that clusters from a man that has nothing but sweatshirts on this podcast that's true adam's exploits he, he says rick's shirt is an eight out of ten so uh all right we're one one to one in, in the tally for pro and con for rick's shirt yeah i'm a sweatshirt guy through and through it's easy, it's comfortable, and, you know, it doesn't matter what I wear, Rick. Like you like to say, it's still, I'm still like Andy. Well, 
that's not as comfortable as this shirt. I may have to get you one for Christmas next year. I love that you were digging in your closet and you found that thing. Your wife said, absolutely not. You found four, you said? Four, found four. There'll be a rotation <laughs> of four going through the rest of the podcast. Oh, thank God. We're the uh, 10 days. <laughs> we'll be done. All right. Clustering. So you, well, you, you will gave... see the shirt one more time, probably in the rotation. Thank you. Prayers have been answered. All right, so let's get into these. Debo, let's first look at my big board. This is what I sent Rick uh, a few days ago for him to dissect. And I, this is basically how I just organize these players as I go through them over the from the fall until present day. And I have them listed uh, from top to bottom. And then I have them listed by position. And you can see it there. You can zoom in on the big board to the left there, Debo, the, the, the first column there. And that's just my players. My number one player is Bryce Young. And this is based solely on on-field stuff. This is no off-field. So Jalen Carter's two for me. He's tied with Will Anderson in terms of the grade. And the grade's pretty straightforward. One, oh, four means it, he would, I would take him with the fourth. You know, he's the fourth. He would come off the board fourth if in a draft where everyone, where the perfect player is a 101. So first pick, uh, first round, fourth pick overall. And the Jalen's a 105, and it's pretty straightforward. Rick can... At some later date, we'll go through the actual grades that teams use, but this is for me to easily organize. And you can see there, so the sixth best, pl best player on my board is Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback, and then right behind him is Bijan, the running back. Now, Bijan's not going to go seventh overall unless something crazy happens, but this is just sort of a starting point for me to organize this. And this is the list that Rick went off as well. And Rick, I mean, uh, Debo, if you scroll down, I think I have 28 or 29 players with quote-unquote first-round grades. And the last one, I believe, is Drew Sanders, maybe? Darnell Washington. So I have 29 players. Darnell Washington at the bottom of the first round there. Just before him, Drew Sanders. So he, this is sort of an interesting tidbit. Is that yeah, go. Most teams will have only technically what they consider 17 first-rounders on their draft boards. So. Yes, yeah, so let me ask you about that, and you can expand. Because every year we hear a report that so-and-so team only has 15 first round grades on players. So expect they want to trade down something along those lines, but that's not atypical is what you're saying. Right. There's never 32 or this year, 31 first yeah. round players. Usually after you get past on average uh, player number 16, when you go down, uh, that's when it becomes iffy on whether they are true first rounders. And when I'm talking about a first rounder, you expect to come in and start right away on day one. And uh, the higher up, you expect them to be Pro Bowl talent players. You know, maybe that's something we'll talk about in the offseason because the, the way I think about it from the media's perspective is, all right, will this does this player have a chance to go in the first round? Because somebody has to go in these first 31 yeah, picks. 31 guys are going to get picked in the first round. On <laughs> right. No, no one's going to say, no, we'll just wait to the second round. <laughs> but to your point, when you're grading these players in an organization, you're talking about guys that come in and start right away and contribute, not guys like Noah Smith, for example, maybe needs a year to grow into a full-time role, role, for example. Or, or an Anton Harrison, who I like and who you're not as high on, doesn't start year one because uh, he needs to refine his, his pass sets or whatever, right? Right. Gotcha. So, like the very few, that's why I said there's 16 on average per year that probably have legit first round grades if you take gotcha. the uh, overall. So for the purposes of our clusters conversation, just my big board, sort of my super secret big board that I didn't want to show you. I made you sign some waivers before I let you look at it. Uh, <laughs> it didn't help me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I I'll sign all the waivers you want, but it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, jokes on you. You signed away your house. I, I, I fooled you with the old sheet of paper trick on top. Well, as, as everybody knows, my house got wiped out in a hurricane. And oh, so you God. can have it. It's just barely making it down here on the Island. Oh Lord. 
But anyway, so that's the starting point. I have 29 uh, first round grades. Typically, you get about 15 or 16, according to Rick, and that makes sense. But these are the guys that I think have a really good chance to go in the first round. Uh, that probably will not be 100%. But now let's look at um, – you want to go to my cluster first or your cluster first, Rick? Well, we go to your cluster first. You're the, you're the, I'm just a supporting actor in this uh, podcast here. All right. So I'm going to tell to – I'm explaining to the listeners and viewers – and this is easier if you're watching on YouTube, but I'll try to explain it to you like we're doing a radio show here for people that are just driving down the street or working out or whatever. So, Rick, I'm going to ex explain the tiers, and then you can correct me where I where I get it wrong. So, okay. for this exercise, we're just doing the first-round players. We have five tiers and about five players in each tier from, from top to bottom. And tier one for me, and what happens in these tiers, it doesn't have to necessarily follow – my big board, what we just saw, and I'll just read it out the big board to you. Bryce Young was first, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, CJ Stroud in that order. That's how I had him graded. But as Rick mentioned a few moments ago, if you're the Chiefs, Bryce Young isn't going to be at the top of that list. CJ Stroud isn't going to be at the top of that list. So I'm just reordering these as just an average football team that maybe has a quarterback. And this is how I had them ordered, Rick, in terms of how I'm going to take these guys off the board. I'm going to lock this before the draft starts, and nothing's going to change as I go through the process. So if this player is available and everyone else is available, this is who I'm taking. So that's tier one. And you go through that process, tier two, all the way down to tier five. And tier five is the bottom of the first round for our conversations here. And Rick said, this is an opportunity for you to bring some guys in that are outside your first round grades who you've since changed your opinions on, maybe fit your team needs better. And they slip into the, to the top of tier five there, which pushes out some guys that you may have previously had first round grades on and they don't, they're not there because of fit or because of medical or whatever. And, and you think they have a, a better chance of helping your organization. Does that sound about right, Rick? Yep. And I would say when you're working in this tier one, these are the players that are coming out in this year's draft that you're saying are going to be day one starters and uh, probably have the opportunity to be maybe not first year, but they will be pro bowlers through their, through their career. Awesome. All right. So we'll start in my tier one and then we'll go compare it to your tier one and we'll have a conversation. So my tier one, excluding anything off the field, this is solely on the field production. And we'll, we'll assume for the, the sake of conversation, unless we say otherwise that they're healthy, no medicals, anything like that. So I'm taking Jalen Carter no matter what. And this is an average NFL franchise that has a quarterback that can start for another three or four years. So I'm not worried about that. Jalen Carter. Then I'm taking Bryce Young. Then I'm taking CJ Stroud. And then it's Will Anderson, edge rusher out of Alabama. And then it's Tyree Wilson, edge rusher out of Texas Tech. That's my order. Jalen Carter, defensive lineman out of Georgia. Bryce Young, quarterback, of course, out of Alabama. C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. Will Anderson, then Tyree Wilson. And the thinking there is if these guys are – if I'm picking 10th and all these guys are on the board, I'm taking Jalen Carter no matter what. And um, so give me your brief 30-second response to this list, and we'll look at your Tier 1 and compare it. Yeah, no, it's a it's a adequate list. <laughs> I, know you put, I do respect all the hard work and energy you put into putting all this together and everything that you do. So, uh, but I disagree with this list some. Uh, based off of what I see, I don't know if Tyree Tyree Wilson. I think you're projecting him a little bit, but to say he's going to be a bona fide Pro Bowler, mm. I don't know if I was ready to put him. Yeah. In category yet that's a good point uh, the other guys i do believe uh are, are the top players in this i had one player probably different 
Uh, if Debo, you want to go to my yeah, let's go tier. to him. So I had five guys in tier one. Let's see what Rick did, Debo. My tier one went Bryce Young first. I just think he's he's unique regardless of his height. Jalen Carter number two. My oh my god, based off what I watched on tape, take out the value of the position. Bijan Robinson is, I think, the third best player in this draft. Okay, Will Anderson. And then C.J. Stroud was rounded out my top five in tier one. Let me ask you this question. So you're picking 12th or whatever, just randomly, random draft, random NFL team. And Bryce Young and Jalen Carter are gone. Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud are there. You're taking Bijan is what I'm hearing. Is that correct? I'm saying Bijan, when I graded them, was the purest, better at his position. They're all equal in their position. But if I would go with B. John Robinson, I just think he's too young wow. to pass up. Love it. Okay, and that's the point. The point is you have these conversations over the last four weeks or however long. Do you disagree long. with that? Why do you disagree with that? Why didn't B. John Robinson make your top five player? I thought you liked him. I do like him, but I would rather have Will Anderson before him. Do you think Will Anderson is as good at his position as B. John Robinson is as it is? No, but there aren't very many Will Andersons after that. And I, I love Will Anderson that much. Oh, way. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off in a draft meeting here. Go ahead. Oh, is that, a, is that a rule? You have to be able to finish? Yeah, you have to be able to finish okay. before I become sarcastic on you. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you can find 80% of Bijan's productivity later, and you can't find 80% of Will Anderson's productivity later. Okay. So, but you're saying Will Anderson then better than Bijan? Yes. Okay. Well, we disagree on that. So what we would do then. Yeah, how do you sort it out? We would sit there then, and as we went through this tier, we would watch, rewatch the tape on all five of these guys mm-hmm. as a group with the coaches. And then we would come back after we watched all five, and then we would go ahead now, what's best for our football team? Right. And then rate them accordingly. And so, look, this isn't. This there's is- going to be some disagreements in the tiers and, Okay, the one big thing is that I had Bijan in my top tier. You did not. So we would go back and watch that tape. And we're talking about Bijan versus Will Anderson right now. Yeah. So we watch all Will Anderson's tape and then we watch Bijan Robinson's tape and then come up with a conclusion after that group study on that film. And look, I'll be honest, like this is close because there's a very there's a pretty easy argument to be made that Bijan coming in day one is going to help your football team more than Will Anderson, even though Will Anderson plays a premium position. But Bijan's going to contribute right away, and he's going to be a, a huge headache for defense. I get that. It's just I, I wonder when we get to round two or whenever, and there are no edge rushers and there are a ton of running backs, if we would regret it. But that's that's the point of the conversation. But that's what you're talking about. That's exactly the conversation you're having in the draft room. All right, so listen. Let, let's stay on on this, Debo. We'll stay. On, we'll go to Rick's tier two because he has Tyree at the top. I had Tyree at the bottom of my tier one. So Tyree Wilson is the top of Rick's tier two edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Then it's Peter Skaronsky. Uh, we'll call him offensive lineman out of Northwestern. We'll see where he plays. Then it's Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. Devin Witherspoon right behind him, the cornerback out of Illinois. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba. What at the bottom of tier two wide receiver out of Ohio State? Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, no, I I uh, I just think I, I agree with Tyree. I think Skaronsky, whether you play him a tackle, but especially if you move him inside to guard, it is going to be a perennial pro bowler at guard. 
Uh, I go back and forth between Gonzalez and Witherspoon. I think Witherspoon, if you want to make the tiebreaker, may be probably more aggressive in run support than Gonzalez. Gonzalez will pick and choose some, but Gonzalez's length and athleticism for his length is pretty unique as well. So if I'm a football team, am I putting more emphasis on a corner covering or on a corner uh, that is maybe more complete and a little bit better in run support? So what's more important to me there? If some teams say I'm going to play press man, I'm going to take Gonzalez all day because the run support stuff, he's good enough. I'm not saying he's a coward. Uh, he's willing <laughs> enough. He'll just be a little selective at times. Right. Uh, where Weatherspoon is almost, I mean, there's no question about him being probably more aggressive in run support than Gallus. Let me uh, ask you this, so. Rick, with, with Devin Witherspoon, who played at about 180, weighed 185 a few weeks ago. And I and let's say he's been relatively healthy throughout his college career, just average health like everyone else at the cornerback position. Would there be conversations with the coaching staff or, or would you have these conversations with your medical team and say, is he going to be durable enough in the NFL playing the way he plays? Yeah, I, I don't think. But if he hasn't been hurt or doesn't have a history of durability or injury concerns, right. Then- that, that does not become a factor if the medical staff say, hey, he's a pass or a, uh, no no concerns about his durability or any injuries that he has had. Then you go with what's the best corner that fits your scheme for your team. Right. Okay. And the, uh, the astute viewer might notice that Rick's grades there are in order, 101 for Bryce Young, 102 for Jalen Carter. And that's because, as Rick mentioned earlier, once you re, once you get these players into tiers, even if they're not in the exact draft order of your quote unquote big board, then you regrade them to fit the order that you're going to take them. So that's why Ricks are in order in mine. When you noticed, when we go back to my tiers, are still in their original order, so they're they're out of order, so to speak. Here's the thing, Rick: your tier two and my tier two aren't that far off. I had Tyree at the bottom of my tier one, and Debo, you can get back to that. And Tyree's at the top of your tier two, and then I have Christian Gonzalez just ahead of Devin Witherspoon to start off tier two. Then it's Peter Skaronsky, so he moves down below the cornerbacks. You had him above the cornerbacks. And finally, Bijan comes off the board for me. I only have four guys in, in tier two there. They're picks like one first round, 10th overall to fifth first round, 15th overall in, in on average. And that's why they they fit in there. And I had Skaronsky, and they're actually pretty much in order. Bijan moved down a little bit because of the value in the running backs. We just talked about why. Um, that's important depending on the, the team you're running and and, and what you're trying the, the the needs you're trying to fill. But you pretty much said uh, everything to be said about this group. I would just take the cornerback over Skaronsky and Bijan on my average football team. But again, your mileage may vary. So let's say a quick break. We'll come back and then we'll do tiers three through five. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Keep going. All right. Hopefully, if you're uh, watching this, this makes sense. If you're listening, it might be a little convoluted. So check out the YouTube and, and help Debo. Debo provides the visuals. It might make it a little clearer. All right, let's go to my tier three, Debo, and then we'll move over to Rick's tier three. And the top of my tier three is my guy. And he, I don't think he goes this high, but that's okay. I love him. Osiris Torrance, guard out of Florida. We've talked about him for months now. We saw him at his pro day. He's good, he's good, he's good. He's going to stay inside, I don't think, unless he's on Pete Prisco's team, will he move, have an opportunity to move outside. Then is Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver out of Ohio State. He was at the bottom of your tier two. He's near the top of my tier three. Then it's Deontay Banks, the cornerback out of Maryland. Then Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. I don't know if this is high or not for Anthony Richardson. It's just so hard to figure out where he's going to end up going. We've talked about him to death, too. Incredibly raw, incredibly athletic. Then it's Michael Mayer tied in out of Notre Dame. And I feel okay if all these guys are on the board taking Michael Mayer over Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher out of Iowa. And then Joey Porter, cornerback out of Penn State. That's my group there. What are your initial thoughts, Rick? Um, I just some I, I I don't have any major disagreements with this. Um, I think that uh, Mayor is a steady. I, I don't I think I would have had him. I can't remember if I had him in this tier three or two tier four. Uh, we'll find out in a second. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, but I had him little bit lower I think because I think his he's a good football player not a great athlete and I think his ceiling's limited although I think he'll be a really a solid starter in this league I just don't think he'll be exceptional let me ask you this would he typically be outside of a quote-unquote NFL first round grade because he's not necessarily a, a day one starter maybe limited physically some some teams may have him uh outside of of round one Top sixteen Yeah. All right, uh, Debo, let's go look at Rick's clusters. He had, um, spoiler alert, Michael Mayer at the top of his tier four, but his tier three. Oh, my gosh. Anthony Richardson at the top of tier three. Then you had, oh, you had my guy Osiris Torrance next. Yep. Then Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia. That's interesting. Ahead of the other tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. Then Joey Porter Jr. We had him exactly the same spot. I think in our in our tiers, uh, I had a, I had mine a little lower. And then Deontay Banks. So you have um, Deontay Banks going after Joey Porter Jr., the the cornerback out of Maryland. Yeah, and I th- uh, that'll be a pretty in depth conversation. That one, be- just like we talked about Gonzalez and Witherspoon, uh, we're going to do the same group study on Porter and Banks um, because I think Banks has a little bit. Some positives Porter doesn't have. Porter has some positives Bank doesn't have. So that's where you're really dissecting the tape to um, decide what's going to be best for your football team and your scheme. But I think both of those are right in the right order. The reason I put Broderick Jones up there 
I don't think that he is ready to be a day one starter, although someone may have to, may draft him and start him, but he's going to have some growing pains. There's no question to me of his athleticism, his size, um, but he is still, uh, from a technical standpoint, a ways away. He's going to have some initial struggles eventually as he get as he uh, improves his technical, the technical aspect of this game. This guy is going to be, to me, the the best left tackle prospect in this draft. So let me ask you this. You have these tiers. They're locked in. You're just checking off boxes once the draft actually rolls around. Why does it take teams sometimes 15 minutes to get their pick in? Are they taking phone calls mostly? It's only 10 minutes in the first round. Then it goes down to seven minutes and then five minutes. minutes. It used to be 15 minutes like 15 years ago. All right, 10 minutes. What are you doing for that 10 minutes? Sometimes it has to do with TV. Oh, uh, Yeah. Like say, well, don't turn your pick in until after five minutes. Gotcha. So all the people on the television can talk about, you know, the potential with going, where they're going. They have to get their advertising dollars in. So um, there may not be a lot of discussion. But other point I want to make, too, is sometimes we knew who we were going to take. Mm-hmm. But we held because you don't know what type of phone calls are going to come in. Gotcha. So we would hold to sometimes three or four minutes um, to see if we were receiving any calls or if we made any calls because you don't, you don't know. So there may be a team that uh, has studied you and you may be getting ready to take their guy. Uh, so you may get a call out of the blue that you weren't expecting. So you always try to hold off on that from a strategic standpoint on you don't know who's going to call or you don't know if someone offers you something that's just too ridiculous uh, to not take. And we're just doing round one because we'd be here all day, obviously. But you had these tiers all the way through the end of the draft? Uh, pretty much to about round four. And okay. Then, then it starts. Uh, but we would go through the tiers all the way. Like we usually had 150 Gap. Plus or minus on our that we thought were draftable players, even though there's 200 and I don't know how many this year, 259, 259 that will get drafted. We had about 150. Most teams average about 150 on their boards. So we would tier those 150 players. Then what do you do with the remaining 100 picks left? How do you sort through those? Well, because everybody everybody's board is different, especially uh-huh. after you the farther you get down in the draft. So they may be taking guys on your backboard, which helps push a guy you like on your front board down to you. Uh-huh. If there are, let's say, um, you don't have that many options left on your front board and you want to go get that player, then maybe fourth, fifth, sixth round, you may go trade up and get that player. But the boards in the first round, probably two rounds, maybe into the halfway through the third are pretty similar yeah. little quirks here and there, you know, last year, I think when uh, new England took strange and Cole strange in the first round, that one threw uh, everybody's boards into a little bit of a tizzy. Uh, so what he, happens when you're sitting in a draft room and you see a crazy pick in the first round like that? It, it, you just, I mean, obviously you probably I, the same reaction that everyone else does, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's sometimes you're looking there and, you don't look so much at the pick or the player. You look at, well, that's going to give us another opportunity to push a guy down to us. Not judging the player or why they took that player, uh, but all you're doing is kind of looking at yourself and saying, right, 
okay, that they took that. We didn't have him rated that high or developed that high on our board. So that's just going to push another guy uh, that we like down to us. And just to be clear, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, your front board is your top 150-ish. Your back board is everyone else. Is that right? So how many times um, on average, and maybe it changes every year, how far typically do you get down on your front board before you have to start digging into guys that weren't on the Most of the time, like I said, it varies so much. Like when we got into our back, you know, towards the end of that 150-ish number, yeah. okay, um, though, as you watch the draft and you watch your board, when you're getting in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, your board is usually completely clean. There's no, oh, it no, is. Yeah. Okay. So then it's getting into, I call it the um, rat hole players. Guys, oh, yeah. Particularly you like or your scouts like. You know, you remember last year during the draft on Saturday, you came in all knotted up with a tie and everything. I told you. To take a thousand degrees. Off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, this is a working man's. Uh, Saturday is the. Uh, working man's draft. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of that where some analytics ping some guys that we moved from our backboard to our front board. Okay. Um, so, but you're doing all that adjustments there during this time, the, over these next 10 days to try to hone and refine that board. And by the way, it's worth pointing out that as you're listening to this, or uh, watching, uh, if you're watching on Monday, April 17th, my seven round mock draft came out earlier this morning and it, it's just an exercise in futility because as you just sort of laid out the last five minutes, it's a crapshoot after first after the first 150 or so. So any guys that go 150 to 259, they can go in any order. And I would imagine in the infinite universes uh, that are existing, coexisting along with us, they go in those orders. So um, a lot of work, probably for not too much other than allow people to yell and scream at me. So in that sense, it's been incredibly successful. All right, Debo's hitting the button. We got to go to tier four. He's tired of us talking about uh, drafts gone past. All right, tier four, my guy, Paris Johnson at the top, then Broderick Jones. I'm taking Paris over Broderick only because he's he's further along now. But I think you're right. I think Broderick has a chance to be a better player down the line because uh, the athleticism and he's so raw at this point. But if uh, my team needs a left tackle now or even a right guard with Paris's flexibility, so maybe that's why I take him here. Then Zay Flowers. That's oh. right. Zay Flowers. I think he has a chance to be the first wide receiver taken. I, I like the fact that he was the only offense in town in BC. Then Jameer Gibbs. We had the running back conversation back in tier one with uh, Rick's Bijan Robinson uh, in the middle of his tier one. I have tier four Jameer Gibbs running back out of Alabama because I love his versatility and what he brings. And then Miles Murphy, raw edge rusher out of Clemson and rounded out by Darnell Wright, tackle out of Tennessee, right tackle. And this is an interesting one for me, Rick, like Miles versus Darnell, if you're picking there. And that would be a tough selection, but it, it just depends, I think, on what your roster looks like and what you're looking for. Because Darnell is probably going to be a better player sooner, and Miles has the upside as an edge rusher that maybe you don't see in a player um, very rarely given his measurables. So this is a point in the bottom of the first round where you're honing in on guys that, like I said, I think Darnell Wright has a chance to come in and be a day one starter. Zay Flowers, to me, is is a nick or a, a slot plus returner only. I right. don't think he's a – so that's why I have him down a little lower, although I love him as a football player. Same with Gibbs. Um, but you got Paris Johnson, you got Roderick Jones, you got uh, Darnell Wright. Uh, all those guys are, to me, 16-game starter quality, and they're not situational guys. Those guys are line up and, and play 16 games, 60 snaps a game. 
All right, David, let's look at um, Rick's tier four because it's sort of similar in what we just talked about here. And the only uh, there are a few differences. You have Michael Mayer at the top. We talked about that earlier. Paris Johnson Jr., who we just talked about the tackle out of Ohio State. And then Lucas Van Ness, who was in my tier three, the edge rusher out of Iowa, hasn't started a game in Iowa, but we're talking about upside here. And you have Darnell Wright and Miles Murphy flopped, and you just talked about why. And uh, I think it makes sense. I think it's just the team, the need, the fit, the urgency that you need to fill that position because if you need a right tackle, you're not going to take Miles Murphy and, and wait for him to become a good edge rusher in two or three years. Right. So that, that this is where and then you'll see when we get to the even to the next tier where everything starts to get a little bit uh, even more preference on player, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, where we see the things differently. And it's, <laughs> if you went through this, it's amazing the variation of opinions, the farther and farther you go down your draft board and the farther and farther you go down your tiers. And we're barely into the bottom third of the first round. So imagine what the third round looks like. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll do tier five. Keep on, keep – oh, wait, hold, before we do, sorry, Debo. Why is Murphy so low, Adam, Adam's exploits asks? My thinking is that he's he's raw. Like, he just turned 21. A lot of what he does now, he wins with, with power. And I think he needs to refine uh, a, a lot of the way he plays. In fact, Adam, if you want to go listen to the – I think last week was when we did the episode uh, looking at the defensive linemen and the edge rushers with our guy, Lee J. Doosable, who played in the league for 11 years on the interior. We talked a lot about Miles Murphy. Uh, is that why you have him low, Rick, or, or just because other players? Yeah, are I think he's quicker? a little bit. Uh, he has unique physical traits. He ran fast. He's just raw from a technical standpoint. And he's going to take, to me, he's going to be a rotational guy probably early. It's going to take him a year maybe into a second year where he's going to be able to develop into a full-time starter, but he's not ready to say, come in and be a 16 game, 60 snap starter right off the bat. I think he's going to have to grow and learn and grow into that position and learn it. Yep, exactly. All right, let's take a quick break. and We'll come back and look at tier five. All right. Tier five time. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Debo, dealer's choice. You can pick either mine or Rick's tier five, and we'll start there. I know which one's better, but I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going with my tier five. You love to see it. All right. So this is the final list, and you talked about it before the break, Rick, that uh, at this point, there's so much variation, and we're barely into the bottom of the first round. But here we are. Brian Branch is at the top of my tier five. 
I'm taking him. Uh, he's a safety out of Alabama. I'm taking him over Anton Harrison, the left tackle out of Oklahoma. I'm taking him over Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback out of Mississippi State, who I love. Then there's Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver out of TCU. My guy, Juju Brents, cornerback out of Kansas State. See Rick making that face. Then there's Will he Levis. Is, he is getting a little steam heading into this. Can I give you a quick fact? Yeah, that please. I found out cornerbacks with wingspan of plus 79 inches or longer. Yeah. Nine out of the last nine out of the last 10 corners that had that wingspan that he has were the top of the league or led the NFL in PBUs. So that is why he is gaining steam. And Any I'll ask a I'll ask a clarifying question. So even though he ran a four or five three, the fact that he has 34 inch arms makes up for that speed, right? Yeah. No, what's his wingspan? Do you have his wingspan there? I'll look at it. You I think it's plus 79. Yeah, let me do it. I think it's uh let me double check here. Got all these buttons I gotta because push. Because of that length while you're looking that up, that will make up for maybe a instead of being a four four. Now the smaller you are at corner, the faster you better be. Right. Uh, but with that length, uh, he can be a hair slower because it's still going to be tough to get the ball uh, over him. He's six, two and three uh, and uh, three quarters, 198, 34 inch arms, 82 and five eighths inch wingspan is what I have. Okay. So that's bigger than some offensive lineman wingspans. Yes. 34 inch arms are, are almost two inches longer than Peter Skronsky's arm, the, the left tackle from from Northwestern. So I have him um, in the middle of my pack here, tier five ahead of Will Levis quarterback out of Kentucky. And then Sam Laporta tight end out of Iowa rounds out my tier five. And Debo, if you scroll down just a bit, these are the guys that had to push out who had quote unquote, first round get grades. And you saw that I put in four guys that had second round grades. So Jordan Addison, who I love, he had, he pushed out Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia, Drew Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas and Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia, the players in my tier five that I mentioned previously, I'm taking all those players before these four guys who, again, I, there's a lot to like about their games, uh, but this is the idea of putting these tiers together. So, uh, Rick, let's look at your tier five and see by comparison how it stacks up, although I know the answer. It's different than your tier five. It is my different. Look who's at the top. I started with Kincaid just because of his unique receiving skills. Tied in out of Utah. Tight end out of Utah. I know there was some concerns about the back, but just reading through the clips that he has been fully cleared. Uh, Brian Branch would be right below him because I think he's a nickel combination free safety. Then I had Quentin Johnson. Nolan Smith's too talented not to have up in that tier. So you're, I disagree with you totally on that. Edge rusher out of Georgia. 230. Yeah, and he ran what? 439. 439. So he's going to go uh, because he does play hard and a little raw, but this guy has some unique traits that when you're in this part of the first round that someone's going to take him because they're going to see a potential game-changing type edge rusher. Uh, and he missed most of the season with that peck injury. And a peck injury. Because I think if he would have played through the full season, he would be up even higher. So wait a second. Let me ask you something, Rick. So tier four, you had Miles Murphy, the bottom tier four. Nolan Smith is in the middle of your tier five. Under no circumstance are you taking Nolan over Miles, right? Uh, that would be a discussion in the draft meetings. Right. But if this is the final set of tier, if this is the tier, the clusters are set here. That's a wrap, right? Yeah, because Miles Murphy, the, his length is undeniable. His speed was undeniable. His workout. Yep. Just uh, 
and he has more physical traits going for him, although Nolan Smith has a lot of physical traits. Just the length would separate the two for me. Gotcha. And then uh, Laporta, who I believe is continuing to climb through draft boards as well. Tied in out of Iowa, him. yep. You didn't like him in the fall. I liked him in the fall. Okay, so, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Will Levis, who we're both a little down on. Uh, teams may have him higher than we have him right now. I think we faced a lot of that after we uh, went through the workout circuit, which was invaluable uh, to try to put this stuff together. Uh, Question, sorry to interrupt you, but let's say when fans are watching on Thursday night, the first round, and they're like, oh my gosh, this player's slipping. It could just be a case that that's how these teams have these players clustered. Do you have the conversation if you're in round two? Hey, let's go trade up and get, for example, a Will Levis at 21 or wherever, if he's still there. Like, how do you have those conversations? Yeah, no, those are uh, pre-meetings. So you try to go through, once you get all these clusters and everything and your board set, then you go through scenarios, as many scenarios as you can. Uh So if this happens, and let's say we're, pick number 35 in the second round, but we see we're in love with uh, Nolan Smith and he's coming down and we need a pass rusher. Is it worth going up to get that fifth year option? Is it worth going up to get a potential edge rusher that we desperately need that has a tremendous upside? So those are the conversations that you would kind of, it's kind of like I I would equate it to how the coaches game plan for as much as they can Mm -hmm. to a game um, you're doing basically the same thing on all the scenarios that you potentially will be facing on draft night but if I'm in a general manager seat and I know we love Nolan Smith as, uh, as the coaches and the scouts and everybody's on board then I'm probably having uh, my two guys start calling teams 10 picks before we select to see if anyone is willing to bite to the, for us to trade up into the first round. Gotcha. So those conversations are going throughout the draft. So we usually started uh, 10 picks up and 10 picks below on, okay, if our guy's not there, how far do we want to trade down and who would we still like to pick up some extra? And it's the same thing going up too. So you're, you're trying to talk to some teams that may potentially want to trade out of the first round to accumulate more picks that don't have a lot of picks. Uh, so uh, you may have that conversation, but that's all going on way before you pick. All right. Love it. Then you had John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, following Will Levis, then Hidden Hooker. What? The quarterback out of Tennessee? Yeah, he keeps growing on me. Like I said, his personality, his work ethic, and everything uh, uh, reminded me a lot of Teddy Bridgewater's personality, leadership, work ethic, everything when we moved up to go get him in the first round. So I kind of equated it to that, understanding the age, understanding coming off the ACL. But these quarterbacks are playing longer, especially with the rules uh, and player safety that protect these quarterbacks. They seem to be lasting longer. So I'm not as concerned about the age as maybe I was five or six years ago. And to get him a chance to sit for a year uh, in a situation and then see where it goes from there. But I think this kid is uh, has something to him that's going to make him a successful quarterback. 
And Emmanuel Forbes, who you didn't like, but I liked in the fall. Yeah, that's true. I I was I just the the size, the cornerback out of Mississippi right. State, one sixty six. Go ahead. Well, he's he's gaining a lot of steam as well yep. because of his cover skills with the hundred and sixty six pounds. So I had him just below there, uh, just because I I would be very concerned with one hundred and sixty six pounds. And you know when you watch the tape on him, he's more than willing to run support. He just sometimes like. Uh, not not afraid to throw his bag of bones in a pile, as we <laughs> used to say, <laughs> but it's 166 pounds of bag of bones coming into that pile that is not going to create a lot of uh, havoc. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, 13 interceptions the last, 13 or 14 the last three seasons, including six pick sixes, and that translates. If you get interceptions in high school, you usually get interceptions in college, and usually that translates to the NFL. And that's the hardest thing to come across. Or, or ball he hawking. probably has the best ball skills out of any corner in this year's draft. Exactly. And I think um, – I don't know if I mentioned on the last podcast, but you were on him in the fall. But I've heard um, recently that he's going to be in that first-round conversation, and we just sort of talked about why. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it on the tiers. You didn't have any guys out of the top five because you sort of went off my tier. Um I just noticed that Debo's username controlling these tiers for us. He did the screen sharing. Anonymous Capybara. So I don't know if that's a shot at your shirt or or, or what, but I, I love it. I don't know I, what a Capybara is. I think it's a little uh, groundhog or something, isn't it, Debo? Debo's clear. Sure, Ryan. Sure, sure he says. All right, I think that's it, right? Nothing else? Are we good? Debo's not in a talkative mood today. You told him he couldn't talk anymore, so he quit talking, Rick. I'll just tell you this, that there will be some surprises that we didn't have in these tiers. They're going to pop up. Uh, in round one? Uh, yes, at the bottom of round one. All sure. right, I heard Emmanuel Forbes and Juju Brents. You want to give us a sneak peek, or we got to wait until draft night? Uh, I will give you a couple that I um, – I wouldn't be surprised if um, Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell. I Jack think Campbell's a name that I've been hearing, and you, yeah. you and Pete have been higher on him for a while. I'm coming around on him. I love it. So, but uh, and it depends when there's a run on these positions too. So um, that's where you see some trades happening, especially if there's a corner run. Team needs a corner. Yep. Um, and their top five or six are falling off the, that draft board. That's when you start. You can tell there's going to be movement or a team is going to be more willing to come up and get a player, especially if there's a run on a position that they need to come get. All right. Love it. Drew Sanders, Jack Campbell, linebackers, Arkansas, and Iowa respectfully look out for that. For now, that's a wrap on episode 38. Remember, give us a thumbs up. If you're watching on the YouTubes and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Debo, for producing. Thanks to my partner, Rick. Thanks to all you guys for listening and watching. We'll be back on Wednesday with BMAC to talk about defensive backs. See you guys. That should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, see you guys.